0: Father, and our God, Lord, what a privilege it is to be able to come to your house uh, in the evening, Lord, to sing these praises, Father, to hear the word of God preached, and, Father, to have fellowship one with another, Father. We thank you for, the, for this blessing that you give us through the shed blood of Jesus. Amen. Father, we pray that you be with every aspect of the service tonight, Father, that it would bring glory and honor to Thee. for we ask it in Christ's name, amen. Amen. Okay. I, have, I did not get wired up. Please forgive me. Thank you so much for the music. Uh, praise team, that was good. I, I live in a world where it is almost exclusively just uh, praise songs. And so it's been a real joy to me to uh, Praise the name of Jesus like this. It's just beautiful. And uh, I really appreciate Victory Baptist and the church here and the genuineness of the folks. Uh, When he said that Pastor Taylor was in uh, Tel Aviv Airport. I've been to Israel three times. I don't know if I told you that. But the last time I was in Tel Aviv Airport. The Israelis do not take security lightly. Okay. They're very And uh, they go through the line and they check every person. They came to me and they asked me my passport. I handed it to you and she said, you don't look like your passport. And I said, well, it should be because it's me and she got really mad at me and i spent 30 minutes in detention you know just kind of like giving me the rigmarole so i i but i thought that i kind of chuckled i said i hope i hope tim doesn't get in trouble in Tel Aviv." you know but i'm sure he'll do just fine um i'd like to i'd like to talk to you about troubles that we go through today i don't know exactly how to say it my my dad used to say when we talk about pastoring my dad was a pastor as well and uh, my two brothers are both pastors isn't that isn't that pretty cool and so we always get together and talk about um, the lord and about our messages and things like that my dad used to say ken if it was easy everybody would be a pastor you know so it's a hard thing it's like paul says in and the care of the churches. He went through all this litany of all the struggles he went through, and then he said, besides that, the care of the churches. So uh, it's, a, it's one thing, I, I, I taught at Baptist Bible College in Springfield for 15 years part-time, and then I taught at Boston Baptist College for 11 years full-time. And there's such a big difference between being a professor where you can kind of leave your work At your work and being a pastor where you take it home with you and live with it uh, all your life. And so I just really honor Pastor Tim for all these years being faithful in that. Um, You're so blessed. We'll know that when we get to heaven, won't we? We'll see all that, won't we? Um, I'm, I'm a broken person, though. All of us are. By the time we get to this age, we are pretty broken, aren't we? There's no, I mean, there's nicks on our battleship that go pretty deep, right? And uh, our our engine didn't run in at all, eight cylinders. And we're we're going to make it to the finish line, but it's not going to be easy. And uh, in some ways, I've, I've suffered ways, and you've suffered ways. You know, every hurt is different. Uh, if you get your arm cut off here, it's different from getting it cut off here, you know. Or and how people receive that is different as well. And I'd like to talk with you about uh, our scars, the troubles that we have. And then I'd like to really title the message, not just about scars, but I've developed a... It's helped me anyway. I hope it'll help you. I call it the theology of hope. Uh, If I can give you hope, that's what I'm after tonight. Do you think I accomplished what I talked about this morning, about helping you with your family, about not, not having... Uh, too much weight to trying to dictate what your kids' lives are about and Amen. purity in your life. Don't you think that's a, that should be a call in the world that we live? And then knowing that God is supernaturally blessed. I think those are all helpful to our family, don't you? Um, and then tonight, I'd like to talk to you about how God's going to rescue us from all these hardships that we've gone through. And, and I say that because I see people wilting along the way. Uh, you know, take the name of Jesus with you. And, and those songs that we sang... You know, in difficult times, it's the name of Jesus and what the, what the gospel is all about that keeps us from being destroyed. Um, I'm going to kind of be all over the Bible uh, because the theology kind of talks about a synthesis of different scriptures about that. But uh, I'll just start off in, in Galatians. He comes down to that last chapter. Galatians is the first book that uh, Paul writes. It's, uh, it's law versus liberty. He talks about, he really gives the gospel in a smaller form, and he, he expands on that in the book of Romans. But when he gets to the last chapter, his vision is so bad uh, that he kind of, there, there are only 149 verses in Galatians, uh, 3,086 words. He has dictated this to an amanuensis, a, a, a male stenographer. And uh, with just seven verses and a few dozen words left in the book, Paul, Paul takes the quill, grabs the papyrus and starts writing. In verse uh, Galatians 6, 11, he says, See how large a letter I've written unto you with mine own hand. Uh, it's almost like he can't stop himself. Uh, what's so important, he's, he's going to have to write. And in verse 12, he says, uh, As many of you desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain me to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. And so he, he talks about this, his last push into this the Galatia area, which in, involves Lystra and Derby and um, uh, uh, Pamphylia, and, and just that little short first uh missionary journey that he takes uh, he he makes this one big statement and says stop going by the jewish letter letter of the law and live by the cross of christ alone that's really important because the cross is really it's the center point of this auditorium wouldn't you agree with me And you can't can't see me without looking behind and seeing the cross. I stand in front of the cross. And that's the message of Victory Baptist Church. No matter what difficulty you go through, it's the cross of Christ that makes it. Not not doing works or legalistic actions. And then he comes to verse um, 17. From henceforth, let no man trouble me. In other words, he says, get off my case. But no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Wow. He's saying, I've got scars. I'm not just talking about this. I've been through it. And uh, I think of that and all the different people that have suffered throughout the word of God and, and down through time to give their life for Christ. You know, scars can define you. Um, they say what's important to you. Uh, Don't ever say to a mother that she doesn't love her kids because she bears in her body the scars of childbirth. Uh, I met a Vietnam veteran. He was a pastor in Springfield, Missouri. I'll never forget the conversation. It was pretty close to Veterans Day. Veterans Day was just this last Friday. And he said, I was in Vietnam. I was shot 17 times in four seconds. I couldn't believe it. I was like you're kidding me. And he he says, let me show you. Now we were with all pastors, just men. And he pulled his shirt open and literally his entire chest was just full of pockmarks from bullet holes. Is that an incredible thing? Now don't tell me that he doesn't love America. He almost gave his life. Imagine he lives probably with the aftermath of that and so many other uh, Vietnam vets do as well uh, I've got a very good professor at Boston Baptist College, Ken Amador who suffered PTSD from being in a tank as a chaplain with his guys in Afghanistan it's, it's hard out there it really is and we're, we put our, v, our vets in really untenable positions they bear in their bodies the marks of loving America, don't they uh, I think of I think of other things as well Uh, people that uh, have burns on their body from saving people that have been caught in a fire, Um, a a scar from where you gave a kidney to somebody, maybe your family or somebody else. Uh, I have a scar on my body. I won't show it to you. It's just on my uh, foot. We were building a camp, a uh, camp Cherry Mountain in Springfield. Uh, it was out of town about an hour, and we were pouring concrete. And I had uh, boots that uh, they—I blew the boot out with this concrete, and it will burn me pretty, cl- pretty quickly. And so I have a scar on the whole backside of my heel from that, from that concrete burn. So that's kind of like my. Uh, get off my case, don't tell me I don't love God's work because I, I have a scar on me too, you know, that kind of a thing. But um, there's a the scar just being worn out. I look in this room and I see so many of the women that work in at, at Camp Sunlight, isn't that what it is? All those years, you could have been enjoying yourself sitting back at the pool, drinking a Mai Tai or whatever. Uh, no, you wouldn't drink an alcoholic beverage, but... Um, <laughs> You know, some scars are not visible. Uh, I was talking with Mike just a little bit ago, and this just kind of reminded me that, you know, police officers have to see a lot of really terrible things. And they they take that with them their whole life. Pastors are that way as well. Um, I cleaned up a, a house of a man who had committed suicide. It, it was a real traumatic experience for me to just go through that. And I think of all the times that... Police officers have to deal with very untenable situations. Some scars you just, some scars you just will never see that impact people's lives. In fact, probably, and I, and I don't mean to minimize because every every pain is different, but maybe these scars, these emotional scars, are harder than any of them. Um, the scar of a child with autism, scar of a child born out of wedlock. Um, I have a scar that uh, is probably one of the most difficult things that I wouldn't wish on even my greatest enemies when my 18 year old son was riding in a car on the way to church he was killed I think I've mentioned that a little this morning Um, it's just you just see him at lunch and then they're gone it's just uh, life is so, so fast and fleeting you know there's not a day that Shirley and I don't think about that isn't that crazy 23 years later and it still is there. Some of you know where that's at. I'm not, I'm not telling you anything new. Um, but the last thing from Paul's pen is, I bear the marks of the body of Christ. Um, Paul wasn't exempt from difficult feelings or, or bad times. He, in fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it's been a, real, a source of real encouragement to me he said that he went through so many difficult things that he despaired even of his own life. Um, he, he suffered depression because of that. Some of you suffer depression. I, I've been through depression. I've been, because of Mark's death, I, I really recognize what depression was all about. Um, C.H. Spurgeon, the great preacher of England, went through uh, depression a lot. It's one of those difficult parts of their li- of our life. Um, I think probably the greatest difficulty was was that day in, in March, on October the eighth, two thousand. When I was, it was like five forty-five in the evening. I was at church already. We were doing a mission conference on Wednesday. I was talking with our missions board about how we were going to win the world to Jesus Christ. And my son was getting in this car, coming to church, and um, he his. His cousin, my my nephew, Jonathan was, Lingo, was trying to uh, pass a hay wagon and a car on a 525-foot flat top in the Ozarks. It's kind of a hilly. I wouldn't say our hills are quite as high as yours, but there are they're more of them. And he got to about the end of the hay wagon and this F-150 was coming up the other side. And they both swerved to the ditch to miss sitting head-on, and what happened was the F-150 just T-boned that my my nephew's car, and just pretty much killed Mark instantly. Um, I think I think that it, it's first when you suffer those kind of traumas, and I'm sure there are people have been here. It's almost surreal, isn't it? You know, your your brother gets killed in the war, or or somebody dies in a car wreck, and or, or someone has a heart attack and passes away just like that. You know, we, we can either die in a minute or in a mile, can't we? I mean, it can be slow and drawn out. And that has its own kind of suffering to it, doesn't it? Or we can die in just a minute and just leave everybody going like, <sighs> knocking, you know, like somebody punched you in the chest. And at, at first, I think uh, I, I just knew that God was going to do something great with that. My twin brother Keith preached the funeral at Cherry Street. Our our auditorium only held like twelve hundred and fifty people, but uh, it was full. And we had a chapel, and there were there was about seventeen hundred and fifty people at my son's funeral. They they dismissed the uh, Hillcrest High School that had about twelve hundred fifty kids. They dismissed the high school that day. There are five high schools in Springfield. Three of the schools there. Uh, football teams came to Mark's funeral in their uniform, in their, in their jersey, wearing their jersey, and uh, so did Mark's, Mark's team. And Mark played football. He was uh, a halfback. He led the team in rushes for the entire year. He led the team in tackles until the last uh, game, but he only played like 11 of the 13 games, you know. So, I mean, he was, he was pretty popular like that, you know, and um, just a great kid, I love the lord my 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 oldest kid you'd say now take that golf club back slow and he'd say dad i know how to do it stop and he just go like, like that mark you would say take it back so he'd go like that slow dad you know i mean he was really teachable and uh isn't that funny how our kids some of them are teachable and some of them are like i'm gonna just get this through the hard way um but there were uh, 86 kids that trusted Christ as their personal savior at Mark's funeral. Isn't that incredible? And uh, then we kind of started putting through. There's the whole part about having to go through his room and all those kind of things. You never buy in a casket. What do you put on a tombstone of, a, of your son? That Those kind of things that you never thought you'd have to do. Um Part of you just died. Part of your future died. And it just keeps coming up. Like we have grandkids that are 20 and 20, 22 and 23. And then we have grandkids that are 11. And that gap in there would have been Mark's grandkids. You know, there's just, it just, it hurts you in so many different ways. And it just kind of keeps getting at you, you know, like that. It can wear you down. Um, Finally, I, about probably six months into this, Shirley and I decided we weren't going to, We weren't going to do anything rash. We are just going to keep serving God. Um, It was hard to pray. If you've ever been through that, it's like, well, do you even hear me anyway? You know, those kind of things. I'm just being really truthfully honest with you guys. And um, it was hard to pray. And it was hard to sing songs. And... um, it just was difficult there we did listen to music christian music and it was like really helpful though made, everybody's different though and finally i came to a conversation with god and i told god that i was never going to talk to him i was done i'd had it with him and then my heart the holy spirit said then why are you talking to me now and i began to sense that i just couldn't get away from god and he was faithful. I don't know whether it was just the choice that Jonathan made. Or it was Satan trying to do like what he did with Job. And try to kill his his kids. I, I don't know. I, and Job didn't know. And I probably won't know till I get to heaven. And it's kind of like if, if you're a car guy. It's kind of like that. that Just that transmission will not go in gear. You just try and figure out how to make this thing fit and it just doesn't make sense and and then i began to feel that maybe god was going to be with me even in these impossible situations at least to me it seemed like that and i don't know what your particular scenario is uh, it could be very parallel to mine or completely different but i i know this you you do not get out of this world without getting hurt am i right about that
1: um
0: uh, Good, bad, or otherwise, there's just no free pass. You don't uh, live 70 years with 3.5 kids on Main Street with a white picket fence and die in your sleep. It just doesn't happen, you know. Um, we all go through really hard times. And now I come to really the part of the theology part of that. And that's really what rescued me, knowing the Bible. Isn't that a good thing to have the Bible in your life? That's where all these years of reading the Bible paid off to me. And I began to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Um, could you just give me a second? My eyes are watering. I don't know why that is. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of, not, of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Um Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Uh, By the elders, speaking all those in the Old Testament, received a good report. Now, I I taught college for 26 years. A good report is like a C, (laughs) right? It's not an excellent report. It's just like, well, they made it. Um, uh, Faith and hope are crucial in our belief. In fact, Hebrews eleven six says without faith, it's impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Uh, the word for faith in the Greek is pistos. The word and it's faith. Uh, it's what it's what we believe. But the word for believe is pistuo. It's the it's the verb form of faith. In other words, if you want to say it in a, a non-grammatical way, you'd say, I faith in God. Do you see? Do you see that? Because you're you're saying, but you can't say that because faith is a noun. But so you say, I believe in God. I have faith in God. Hope is not seen. So with in this saying, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The parallel side of that, Paul writes, if in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, and says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. So whatever you can see isn't faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. So whatever you hope for can't be seen. Is that is that crazy to see that? So... Uh, Faith has to be placed in something for there to be hope. What had happened to me was that I wasn't sure that I could trust God anymore. Hope is in direct contrast to what's happening right now in front of us. So sometimes what God gives us in faith, the circumstances say to us, this can't be true. You can't trust in that. your whole life is unraveling, but how can you put your how can you know that God is going to come through for you? Do you, do you? Can you understand that? Am I getting through to you on that? It just seems like it's in direct opposition. Here's, here I'm saying, God, can I really trust you? My life's falling apart, but God says all things are going to work together for good. I'm going like, are you kidding me? I'm sure Joseph could have said that, couldn't you, this morning, right? Daniel could have said that. Here's a guy that prays every day, and he's thrown in a lion's den. The three Hebrew children could have said that. You know, sometimes the circumstances of our life and the faith that God asks us to exercise in belief just don't fit. So let's look at this great Hall of Fame chapter, this These famous people of the the Bible that had great faith. The substance of things hoped for. And you'll see it. Here's Abraham. uh, Verses 8 through 19. Let me turn in in my Bible there. Don't you just love Hebrews? Uh, Abraham was called to go out from a place which he would after receive for an inheritance and obeyed and went out. There it is, not knowing whether he went. Here he is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He does that. He sojourned by faith in a strange country. Um, So here's this man that has great faith and God rewards him. But time out here. Is there ever a time in Abraham's life where he loses faith? Where he fails to take God up on his promises. Yeah. We all know, don't we? He doesn't have a kid. God promises him at 75. You're going to have a child. And your children will be like the sand of the seashore. And by the time he's 100. 99. He still hasn't had this kid. Between that time. He and, he and uh, Sarah. Decide that Hagar would be our best choice scenario. And he acts in sight, not trusting God. Now, you know, I got to admit, I, this side of the story, I'd say, well, you know, I mean, of course God can make your wife conceive. But on that side of the story, I would have said, you probably have a lot of really good ideas there, Abraham, right? Yeah. But here's the thing. Why is Abraham in this chapter then? Well, here's the part of the story. Eventually, some angels visit Abraham and Sarah and said, in a year, you'll have a son. Now, Sarah's on on the outside of the tent and she's listening in. She's eavesdropping. And what does she do? She acts in great faith, doesn't she? No, she does not. She laughs. And these angels say, and this might be a theophany of, of the Old Testament Christ. And they say, did you laugh? Oh, no, I didn't laugh. And they said, Yes, you did. And you're going to name your child laughter. And that's what Isaac means, isn't it? So here's some people that even in their lack of faith, God used them. I I begin to see a theology of hope here. There's hope for me. Even in scenarios where I doubt God, where I say, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm through with you. God says, that's okay. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. Have you, ever, have you ever read that in the Bible? Have you ever sung it in songs? It's the truth. No matter what difficulty you go through. Moses is another person here. In 11, uh, 23 through 29. Um, Moses, when he was a boy, was hid three months for his parents because they saw that he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. By faith, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So he's... He sided with God's people instead of the home that he had been raised in, in, in this lap of luxury in, in the most powerful nation in the world, Egypt. But did Moses ever fail God? Oh yeah, yeah. He uh, kills that 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 uh, Egyptian for those Israel, Israelites. And then they come the next day and say, are you going to kill us too? And he flees to Midian and God finally has to keep after him, doesn't he? Isn't that a good thing that God doesn't give up on us when we give up on God? And he has that burning bush experience and God continues to work. Um, Moses also struck the rock twice. Uh, Moses was a guy that said, I can't speak. I don't know if he had a lisp or a stutter and... I I can't do that. And God says, what's that in your hand? He says, that's that's a rod. He says, throw it down. It becomes a snake. You know the whole story. Put your hand in your vest. It comes out leprous. God says, I'll be with you in the difficult times of your life. Why are we so slow to know that? Because the circumstances just absolutely, it seems incongruous that the faith that we're asked to have in God could ever work out in the circumstances that we're in. And wouldn't you say that Abraham and Moses and their circumstances are pretty perilous at this time? Yeah, here's 80-year-old Moses going to lead a million people out of Egypt. You're going like, in your dreams, Mo. Yeah, and he says, I, I'm not good at this writing and speaking. I think this is one of the great stories of eternity. Here's a man that says he can't do it. And God uses him to write the laws that the vast majority of the world for 3,000 years have lived under. Our entire country was founded on the Judeo-Christian ethic, the Ten Commandments, the things that Moses penned. Isn't that phenomenal that God could do that? Wow, just blows me away. Abel, Joseph, Joshua, Daniel, Isaiah. Uh, Look at one more. Uh, Let's look at... Uh, Chapter 11, verses, verses 35 through 40, okay? Women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder. Many think that's what happened to Isaiah. Isaiah the golden-throated, apostle, prophet of the Old Testament, um, a man of great wisdom and elocution, was sawn in half. Um, They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts, in mountains, and in dens, and in caves of the earth, and these all having obtained a good report through faith received not the promise God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. Wow. Here's people of great faith. Some of them never got to that city but they still had faith that God would do what he said he would do in their life. If, if cowardly Barrett can make this list, if Gideon and Samson uh, a great start, terrible finish. Isaac and Jacob, you know, there's a chance for everybody in the room, aren't, isn't there? Uh, our, our, our faith can be so weak. Lord, help my unbelief. Um, I, think of, I think of Psalm 73, verse 1. My feet had well nigh slipped when I saw the prosperity of the wicked and how fat they were. But when I came into the sanctuary of the Lord, I realized their end. Wow. Um, You know, being in church really helps you get perspective on what's really important in life. And Shirley and I decided that we wouldn't make any huge decisions for a year. Um, We began to walk by faith again, not by sight. Shirley first, before me... um, I, I don't know if you've ever taken the spiritual pulse of your family, but Shirley's more spiritual than I am, okay? So I'll, I'll be glad to say that. Here, I am a pastor, but um, I, I just, I think that my wife has, is such a deep godly woman. Um, and when we began to read God's word more, we realized that we could trust him even when our present circumstances seemed to be 100% different than the future hope that he promised us. Um, I don't I don't know where you came from or where you grew up, but when I was in elementary school in first grade, we always had to take a nap after lunch, and they had us these little mats. Did anybody remember anybody lived that life? Okay, there's a couple here. So you'd have to lay down. And about three-fourths of the kids would probably go to sleep for a little bit. And then the other kids would just stand there. And I was the kid that wouldn't go to sleep. I was just sitting there wondering, like, when is this going to be over? <laughs> um, and it just seems sometimes that waiting on God is just like, oh, are you, are you for serious about this? Um and I read Romans chapter five, verses one through five. This is, this is worth it right here. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation. What? Glory in tribulation? Also knowing that the tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. There it is right in God's word. Now, you don't get the hope without going through tribulation, and patience, and experience. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So here it is. When we go through. These deep. Valley of the shadow of death. We don't have to fear the evil. Because he's with us. And the more we go through. The more confident we are. In this hope that God is going to. Make something out of our life. And you just don't. Get that until you go through the patience. And experience and hope part of the relation. So right now. I, I would not say that I am impenetrable and invulnerable to difficulties, but I've been through enough to know this. And I can, tell like, I can tell like Paul, I bear in my body the scars of the Lord Jesus. I can tell you that I've been through difficult times and he's there. He's there with me. And, and many of you are in that same situation. You know in the difficult times of your life. He's been there for you. Not maybe at the start, maybe you've had some failures like Abraham and Moses and several others in that chapter, but you know that God never left by your side. Then you have to come back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore? That means you see what it's there. Wherefore? Seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witness let us lay aside every way and the sin which so doth easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Isn't that a really powerful passage? That we can know, we can look unto him. uh, uh, I didn't even finish that, did I? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher for Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So here we are, back right to the cross again, aren't we? This sorrow, this in this difficult time. Jesus said, "If it po- if it's possible, let this cup pass from me." Nevertheless, Thy will. Even in those difficult times, He had faith that God would see Him through as well. Um. I don't, I don't know if you're if you've gone through a terrible circumstance like I did and you've emerged on the other side, or you're in it right now, but or maybe. Yeah, I know this, you're either in it, going into it, or just have come out of it, right? And I'm just telling you, God is there for you. Um, so many people in this world live in these broken things that happen. The kids that were shot in Boston last week, I just think, what are their parents dealing with today? You know, those kind of scenarios in life. Um, all the different kinds of lockdowns that happen, the trauma that happens to these kids. It's a really dangerous world out there, isn't it? And it's too dangerous to go without the Lord in your life. Amen. This veil of sorrow is soon to be gone, isn't it? Our life is so small. It's, James says it's like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Uh, for me, Mark is just a vapor away, isn't he? You know, Our life is just going to be spent. Let's make it count for God. Amen. Uh, let's 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 punch Satan in the nose. You know, Boston is one of those capital of capitals of Satan. It's so wicked down in Boston. It is here in Vermont too, isn't it? Um, and we just we're going to take back that land for God, right? Let's just live that way uh, at our work and at our school, wherever we are, that we can be a testimony of what God's going to do through us, and just wait and see what He does. Amen. 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 Uh, let's be dismissed in prayer. Is that okay? For the powers that be. Whoever that is. Hannah, are you here? Okay. All right. Hannah's in Okay, you're the power that be. She is whoever. Uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. It's a light to our path in a really dark world. And Lord, we also know that you have given us great godly people like Brother Taylor, like Brother John, that... Um, have lived a life that we can follow. We can see their walk by faith. And we can say, uh, although we don't follow them, it gives us pause to say that it's a path that will be tried and true and tested. Uh, Like Paul that said, I bear in my my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. May we all bear in our body the marks of the Lord Jesus through these difficult times. Let's not let Satan uh, get advantage over us. Lord, thank you for the friends that we have here, for the fellowship that we'll have here and in eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.